0: This episode of the Oz Movie Geek podcast is sponsored by Kix. Kix is an online film and television retailer specializing in the latest Sony, Universal and Paramount films and television shows. You can use the exclusive code OZGEEK15 to receive 15% off your order. Thank you to the wonderful team at Kix. Now to the review. hello and welcome to the latest episode in the oz movie geek podcast i'm your host Pato, and today i'll be doing a spoiler filled review of the suicide squad james gunn's 2021 reboot of the 2016 film now for those who don't know i was not a fan of the 2016 film You could say I hated it. Uh, It was not a good film at all. It's one that I have not gone and revisited probably since its Blu-ray release, which was back in 2016. Uh, It's just a film that I find to be incredibly messy. And I know that there was a lot of behind-the-scenes studio meddling. Like, for instance, the film was edited about six different times with the cut we finally saw in cinemas edited by a trailer house, which is just absurd. Uh, And part of the reason because of that was due to the criticism that Batman vs Superman got prior to Suicide Squad's release. And because Suicide Squad was already near completion, they saw that you could still be successful whilst being humorous. So they did a bunch of reshoots to add more humor into the production. And whilst I think that the production could have used with a bit more humor, I, I still think that you should have just let David Ayer do what he wanted to do with this film. And we might've got something a little more entertaining, maybe something that worked a little better than what we finally saw in the final cut. There was an extended edition that did come out on Blu-ray and 4k, but the extended edition doesn't really add anything. It's like eight minutes of additional scenes and they really have no implications on the plot. There's like a little more Joker, but that's about it. And, Yeah, I just had a big problem with it. I think walking away from that film, the best things I can say about it are that it has a really impressive cast. I really love Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. I think she's magnificent casting. Joel Kinnaman, even as Rick Flagg, was a a strike of genius. I think he's really, really good and he's better in this new film than he was in that 2016 film. Uh, But yeah, even Jai Courtney I, I thought was good and he's someone who I regularly don't really like. Uh, Will Smith's even pretty entertaining as Bloodshot. That the, There's some good things going on there. But yeah, the overall production just felt completely contrived and it really just didn't work for me. Um, and I really disliked it. And maybe one day I'll go into a bit more deeper um, analysis of that film and discuss its many, many flaws and maybe delve into a bit of the background as well. But yeah, that's my thoughts on that film. That just overall, I don't like it. So... I was skeptical with this one, but I'm a massive James Gunn fan. Um, I've followed his career for quite some time, even before Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Films like Super and Slither were two films in particular that I absolutely adore, and I recently got a beautiful um, Beyond Genres Blu-ray from Umbrella Entertainment of Slither, and it's just such a good film. It's, It's brilliant. It's a strike of genius in the right ways. It's funny. It's over the top, it's incredibly gory, but he just seems to have that balance in check where he's able to really use his creative flair as a filmmaker and use effects and you know these absurd premises to make something work because you watch the Guardians of the Galaxy films and what he was able to do there with characters we had no idea existed. And I know that hardcore comic book fans are like, oh, you didn't know Groot? I didn't. I had no idea. I wasn't a huge, like, into that cosmic side of Marvel. So I had no idea about the Guardians of the Galaxy. And for him to make me care as much as I did about those characters is a stroke of genius. And I think that comes down to how well he, I guess, works as a writer. And out of all of those Marvel films, you could easily say that the Guardians of the Galaxy films have the... I guess that the director's stamp all over them. You can actually see that that is a part of that director's vision, compared to like other Marvel films where it just feels like, oh, for instance, my recent discussion of Black Widow, where it just felt like it's just a you know a studio constructed film. It doesn't really have that directorial stamp. It doesn't have style. Where James Gunn's films definitely have style, and that carries over to the Suicide Squad. This is a complete James Gunn production. You can can tell from the filmmaking from the weird characters the dialogue from everything this is a James Gunn film and I absolutely love that because it really works uh overall just if you want to hear my thoughts before I get into spoilers this was a breath of fresh air I think into the comic book genre in general a genre that I've grown tired of in recent years and you know just from my, I guess, overall approach and um, cynicism around blockbusters at the moment. They just all feel the same. And it was really nice to see a film possess that quality where you can actually feel that directorial stamp on it. It just really made a difference to me. And I just found it to be really enjoyable. And I, that's all I really wanted. But I, I found myself caring a lot about the characters characters that we probably shouldn't care about because of some of their actions and the fact that they're all criminals. But I really, really enjoy just the construction of this film all the way down to, yeah, just the characters we have here. I I thought the cast were all brilliant. Adding people like Idris Elba into the mix just really works for me um Sylvester Stallone lending his voice to King Shark was awesome I I really enjoyed that as well and yeah I just found this one to be really really entertaining so that's that's my my overall thoughts guys but I'm gonna jump into spoilers and discuss the plot on a more deeper level so if you haven't seen the film yet then steer clear because I'll be spoiling the hell out of it um but yeah let's just get stuck into it so take it away trailer Robert Dubois, he's in prison for putting Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. I'm not joining your suicide squad. We'll see. My court need is coming up. And Miss Waller said maybe you could help me out. You're in my door! Everyone stand down. Miss Waller, I don't Stand down! I wouldn't take such extreme measures. If this mission weren't more important than you could possibly imagine, are you in? Or out. Good. Let's meet your team. It's okay, I'm not okay. Each member is chosen for his or her own completely unique set of abilities. I need to feel the raindrops on on my. Head, on my head. Hey guys, sorry I'm late. Had to go, number two. Good to know. Is this thing a dog? Dog? What kind of dog do you think it is, mate? I'm gonna go with Afghan hound. Oh my God, is it a werewolf? Yo, it's not, it's a werewolf. Yo let me out! Hey, he's not a werewolf, okay? He's a weasel. He's harmless. I mean, he's not harmless, he's killed 27 children, but, you know. Your mission is to destroy every trace of something known only as Project Starfish. Any questions? Starfish is a slang term for a butthole. Think there's any connection? No. No. Alright. Let's get it. This is suicide. Well, that's kind of our thing. I'm a superhero! What's my dad? I want to get you out of real life. I'm going to get you out of here alive. Ratatouille, what do you got? Bird. <laughs> now now it stay off the comp. Okay, so The Suicide Squad was written and directed by James Gunn and stars Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, Idris Elba as Bloodsport, John Cena as Peacemaker, Joel Kinnerman returning as Rick Flagg, uh, Viola Davis returning as Amanda Waller, Sylvester Stallone playing Nanawe or King Shark, um, among others. And the film um, follows a bunch of supervillains, Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker... And a collection of nutty cons at Bell Reeve Prison, who join the super-secret, super-shady task force-esque <laughs> task force X <laughs> as they are dropped off to the remote, enemy-infused island of Cordo Mortez uh, to stop Project Starfish. So like I said guys, I thoroughly enjoyed this one, but I'm going to use this opportunity to discuss more of a spoiler, in spoiler details of what the film is actually about, um, and discuss some of the aspects I enjoyed, and yeah, let's get stuck into it, so... I think that um, those who have watched the trailers will be completely misled because um, a lot of the characters we see in this extended Suicide Squad lineup are not in the entire film. So we have Michael uh, Rooker's character, Savant, and we follow him from the opening sequence as he's bouncing a ball against a wall, ends up killing a bird. We get the gist of what the Suicide Squad is, as Rick Flagg explains, Um, and then we see Captain Boomerang return with uh, TDK, Javlon, um, Mongol, uh, Blackguard, uh, Weasel, a bunch of characters that we're expecting to see in this film. They land on the beach, and we find out that Pete Davidson's Blackguard has actually sold them out, and we just see them die one after the other. Uh, the only ones surviving from this uh, particular, so we have two teams in Task Force X, We've got uh, Team 1, who's Rick Flagg and Harley Quinn are the only survivors here, um, and everyone else dies, and it was pretty brutal and kind of funny, and it's definitely played for humour. Um, I was a bit disappointed to see some of them die. Um, I saw that clip that released a couple of weeks ago of uh, Nathan Fillion's TDK, and Um, He has the detachable limbs and um, when he detaches his limbs and they go over and they start slapping the bad guys. And I was like, I'm kind of keen to see Nathan Fillion interact with this group because he's never in these big budget productions. He always plays well on television. Like I really like Castle. Um, He's in The Rookie at the moment, which I've seen a couple episodes for. And I'm not a huge fan of that, um, those network shows, but. I find him to be entertaining, so I'm always keen to see what he can do. And I was like, oh, James Gunn obviously likes him, so he he worked with him in Slither, so let's see what he does here because – Gunn always looks after his friends, um, and that carries over here with, I guess, the inclusion of um, Michael Rooker again in the cast as Savant. Um, But, yeah, they all die. Savant um, abandons everyone, so his head gets blown up, as we know that they've all got the chip in the back of their heads, so they can't abandon their mission. Um, But then we've got Team 2, which has Bloodsport, Peacemaker, um, as well as... uh, a polka dot man um and we have king shark or nanawe as well um and we've got yeah just a, a interesting group of characters um in this team too and essentially what they're doing there is um yeah they're trying to stop this uh project starfish i guess that's the overall premise and that's what they're tasked in doing Um, And yeah, I I enjoyed the fact that we had that subversion because it did not, um, it did not play out the way I was expecting it to. Um, But I also enjoyed um, the way that it did play out because I was like, we can't have this many characters because it's just not going to work. It's just going to feel completely out of place having this many people on screen. Um, but I think they do a really good job of balancing the characters that they do have left. I forgot to mention as well, Daniela um, um, who plays Ratcatcher. Um, I really enjoyed her in this film, and I think that she has one of the better backstories. So we find out uh, through a really interesting sequence of one of my favorite scenes on the in the entire film. Um, it's similar to the scene in the bar in the first film, which was, again, my favorite scene in that movie. Uh, where they're just sitting down and talking. I like the dialogue between the characters and um, Bloodsport, Idris Elba's talking to Ratcatcher, and um, we see as she's looking out over the city, um, we see that there's uh, this flashback of like her and her dad and how she became the Ratcatcher because during the film, we have this, um, this funny recurring gag of Idris Elba's Bloodsport where he's afraid of rats, and that comes from when he was a kid when he missed his shot. He was locked into a box filled with hungry rats, so he's terrified of them. So having Rat catcher on the team adds that added comedic dynamic. And during that sequence, yeah, we have this really, and again, filmed terrifically by James Gunn, where the uh, this flashback sequence is like just occurring on the window that she's looking out of so we can see what's happening. I was like, wow, that is really well done. Just a really nice transition scene. And yeah, it was really sweet. Uh, her father's played by Taika Waititi. We knew he was in the cast because his name was in the cast um and yeah it was really fun to see him here too only in a very brief sequence playing her father and that plays into the end in a really touching moment at the end but honestly nearly made me tear up i was like wow that is beautiful it's just that james gunn effect he just knows what to do around the camera it's brilliant Um, But the dynamic between the characters is really good. So we have Peacemaker played by John Cena, who is fantastic. John Cena has found his niche as this comedic actor. I don't know about his acting chops like a Dave Batista, but I think that he is quite entertaining in these more uh, comedic-centric roles. And I thought he was really good here. And um, he has this budding head relationship with Bloodsport, um, and I, I enjoyed that just because you had the two egos competing with each other. And that was really funny, and that plays out in a sequence where they're told to go and rescue Rick Flagg um, from what they believe to be the enemy. Um, so they're killing a bunch of people, and then they see that Rick Flagg's having tea with Elisa Braga's character, um, who leads the Freedom Fighters, and they've just killed a bunch of Freedom Fighters, which was awfully brutal, but it was also quite funny as well to know that they just spent all this time killing all these people and they're actually good guys. Um, and it sort of plays into the fact when you see some of the deaths and, and that sort of thing and, and the way that they react to these people walking in and killing them all, you're like, ah, these are probably good people. Um, so that was quite funny. Uh, Polka Dot Man as well, I really enjoyed. I thought he was really entertaining. He has this awful relationship with his mother, um, so there's multiple sequences during the film where he pictures uh, everyone as his mother, especially in the final battle with the starfish. Um, and Idris Elba yells out, he goes, it's your mum!" And he looks up and there's a giant version of his mum destroying the city, which was hilarious, but it was also really entertaining. Um, and I really enjoyed polka dot man. He was really cool. Uh, I loved his superpowers. I love the fact that he had to expel these polka dots. Otherwise if he didn't, he would die. Um, so like twice a day, he says that he, he gets this awful rash and his face and body fills up with polka dots and it looks really uncomfortable and he has to get rid of these polka dots. Um, But I really enjoyed that sequence as well. Um, I I enjoyed the final battle, and you know that I don't really like these big bombastic action sequences, but the action in the film felt relatively tame, and I think because um, of how well it's filmed, there's a couple of great uses of the one-shot take. Um, There's a brilliant uh, Harley Quinn escape sequence when she's captured by the government, and she has to escape, and she just kills everyone. Um, And they replaced the blood with um, flowers because it's Harley Quinn, of course. So um, there's this flowers going everywhere instead of blood. And I was like, wow, that is is really entertaining. And it was all done, well, most of it was done in these uh, long sequences. And there was one particular one take um, along a hallway that was really, really interesting. Um, And I really enjoyed that. Uh, Harley Quinn's got like an arc during the film where the guy that plays Javelin, javelin dies um and he he gives her the javelin he says you're the only one that's fit to wield the javelin because and then he dies so you don't know what he was going to say so the whole time she's got his javelin during the movie trying to work out what she needs to do and i thought that was really entertaining um i thought nanawe uh king shark was really really cool um i'm a fan of king shark have been from the comic book era um and I, i i find him to be he does, Gunn does something interesting with his character, something that David Ayer missed the opportunity with Killer Croc to do. Um, and essentially, he's a very sympathetic character. Um, he's not overly intelligent. So because he's not overly intelligent, he doesn't really understand human norms and that sort of thing. So there's that scene in, I think, the second trailer where he's trying to eat Ratcatcher, and they all start shooting him because he doesn't understand. Um, so he's trying to work out his own place. And there's this beautiful sequence, absolutely gorgeous sequence um where they're setting up uh bombs and everything there's a funny sequence which i'll talk about in a second but uh king shark um is drawn um to this beautiful aquarium um and he sits there and he starts playing with these fish and it was just like uh, this beautiful music plays in the background and just gave him just automatically just this depth that you weren't expecting it's just beautiful he's playing with these fish saying i've got new friends and he's running around and they're mimicking his body movements so he's just running around this aquarium and it's like where does this come from like this is so bizarre but it just fits so well in this film and it just made you feel for the character automatically you just felt that he was so lonely and it was just oh beautiful absolutely gorgeous and i really appreciated that Um, and he cops an absolute beating more so than the other members of the Suicide Squad. He gets shot. He gets attacked by these bloodthirsty piranha jellyfish things. He gets thrown through a building, and he still survives, which is awesome because I I love the and I think that he's going to be a big one moving forward because I think everyone just really adored him. Um, But, yeah, a really, really good sequence. And before that, the funny sequence was when they're setting up the bombs to blow up this... um, the facility that's holding the starfish, um, yeah. That he builds this like he builds a model of Peacemaker and he goes Peacemaker, and then uh, John Cena's like he goes Nanawe, it's beautiful, but you need to put put the bombs up. And I was like, oh, that's really funny. Um, peacemaker ends up having a, a secret agenda too, and um, reveals himself to be the bad guy. Um, essentially, Amanda Waller has given him an alternate task, and Ratcatcher was involved in this too. Um, finding out that the American government was actually involved with Project Starfish. Um, So essentially what Project Starfish is, just so you've got the gist of it, uh, the idea is that they came across this starfish in space. It was this alien life form and it's able to reproduce itself um, and in the form of this smaller starfish that act as like a face hugger. They put themselves on your face and they're able to control people so the Maltese government essentially want to use it to take over America. Um, that's the government ploy, but originally it was actually American involvement that brought the starfish back to Earth, and that's why the American government want it destroyed because it was a project from like the 60s, and they just want it destroyed and all the evidence destroyed and there ends up being a hard drive as there always is. And Rick flags like, nah, this isn't on. I want to release all this information and Ratcatcher and Peacemaker meet him down there, and Peacemaker's like, nah, I can't let you do that. You know, we just need to stop this. This is our mission: is to destroy that evidence." Um, and it leads to a, a fight between Rick Flag and a um, Rick Flag and uh, Peacemaker, and they're going at it. And the way that it's filmed as well, it was done in an original one shot that takes it ends up turning into multiple shots, but the original one take is all done from the reflection of Peacemaker's helmet. Um, and if you've seen the trailers, you know that he wears this big shiny silver helmet and they're just fighting and it's brutal. Like, cause this film is incredibly gory. That's something you need to keep in mind. There's blood and gore everywhere. Uh, anything involving King Shark, you just sort of scream away from because you know that it's going to be really gory. Um, but their fight is just absolutely brutal. You feel all the punches. They're throwing each other through walls. They're smashing each other in the head with like parts of tile and stuff. It's absolutely brutal. Um, and yeah, Rick Flagg ends up getting killed, which I was really disappointed in because I wanted him to live because he ends up becoming more so the soul of the team, I would say. Ratcatcher has a lot of the heart, but I think that Joel Kinneman and what he does with Rick Flagg here, he's a lot more lighthearted and a lot more fun than what he was in the first film. And I think that's just the pairing of the director with the actor because they just work really well together. But I really enjoyed, yeah, his character. So I was very disappointed when he does get killed because I was like, "Ah man!" I was really looking forward to seeing what he was going to do uh, with the remainder of the film, but um, and and, you know potentially sequels moving forward too. But I understand not everyone can live, and I guess that's something I've complained about with the Marvel films. But that's that effect of James Gunn because if Gunn killed any of the Guardians of the Galaxy, I would have the exact same um, feelings, you know, just that I don't know not heartbreak because I'm not that connected, but you just really do end up connecting with them. And I think because, you know, the film only goes for two hours and 15 minutes that for you to feel that sort of connection with these characters in such a short period of time, I think that's just hats off to James Gunn. Uh, The film has like this breakneck pace during it too. I was surprised when we were at the final act and you could tell because Starro the Conqueror, um, which if any of you have ever seen the robot chicken sketch, it was pretty surreal to actually see Starro on the big screen. Um, there's a great robot chicken sketch where uh, the Justice League are fighting a giant starfish called Starro on the beach, um, who is you know immersed in DC comic book lore. I'm sure, um, but I was pretty unfamiliar with it outside that robot chicken sketch. And then I, I watched the film and to see that Starro the Conqueror um, is actually the big bad here in the film. We have the Thinker as well, who's played by um, uh, Peter Capaldi, of course, Doctor Who. Um, and he was interesting, but he's not given a lot to do. He sort of takes a back seat. He dies pretty easily in a very gory sequence where the starfish essentially just rips him in half. Um, but yeah, he, he sort of takes a, a bit of a back seat in the rest of the film, which is fine because I guess the bad guy here is actually the Americans. Uh, Amanda Waller and her, I guess, regime of what she's trying to achieve. Um, We know from the comic books and I guess her presence thus far up until this point that she has her own agenda. Um, She ends up being the big bad, I guess, in a way. Um, More of an anti-hero because you understand her sensibilities and what she's trying to do. But because we're connected to the Suicide Squad, the way she goes about doing them becomes, I guess, more villainous than what you'd be expecting. Um, she's sort of overthrown by her team, though. They hit her in the head with a golf club, which is a recurring gag because she's going to play golf with the senator. So she's practicing her golf swing, um, and she ends up getting hit in the head um, with a putter, which was pretty funny. Uh, but, yeah, I I did enjoy um, the whole weird aspect of having, like, a kaiju in the form of Starro. Um, destroying this city, and then the Suicide Squad being like, oh, fuck, we've got to actually go and do this. We can't let this happen. I yeah. thought that was really entertaining, and I, I love the camaraderie between the characters in this sequence. You see them actually start working together as a team. Um, the big thing here being that, uh, I guess, Bloodsport, Idris Elba's character has this very strange relationship with his daughter, so you really need to establish the character of him, um, and I guess he's building him building towards you know more of a leadership role, which is good, and that's what's achieved. And I guess moving forward, because Rick Flagg's out of the picture now, there does need to be a leader in the Suicide Squad, so I see Bloodsport being that leader moving forward. I'm happy for them to c- continue this anti-hero route. Um, each of them are violent, but as far as I'm aware so far, there haven't been too many good guys killed, so... I think that there's enough connective tissue there where we can move forward with fun B-grade, you know, DC characters. I wish they didn't kill all of the ones off at the start. Um, Weasel does end up surviving, which is pretty funny. There's after we cut to black and it has the Suicide Squad with the last shot being uh, Bloodsport finally overcoming his fear of rats. And Rat Catcher's main rat, Charlie, is sitting on uh, his lap and he's just sitting there patting it. That was funny, and that was a nice little touch at the end there, as like they're all battered and bruised, heading back to America, um, and then we fade to black. And then when we fade up from black, straight away, we see that Weasel's still alive, and he's like, um, he just runs off into the Maltese jungle, which was hilarious. Um, I, I enjoyed that. I was kind of hoping Pete Davidson would survive because I love Pete Davidson. Um, as you remember, my review of uh, The King of Staten Island last year big fan of his and i like his work on saturday uh, saturday night live too i think he's really fun on snl um and yeah i was keen to see him a bit more but he dies pretty early on in the piece um but yeah i i enjoyed also just um yeah the, the weirdness of the group of characters that was assembled originally and i was like i wonder what other characters they could you know dig up for this and i mean there's still some of the characters from the last film still alive too that they could bring back eventually and they could do different things with. One character, after seeing what they were able to do with the fully CGI, you know, Weasel and uh, Nanawe, I would be keen to see them do that to Killer Croc because I hated the design of Killer Croc in the first film. I know that it was practical, but his size didn't really match up with what I was expecting from Killer Croc, so I was hoping that they would probably redo that. And I guess because they've rebooted this now that they potentially could, there's no other connective tissue to Batman and that sort of thing anymore. So whilst the Snyderverse might be dead, you can continue to do things here. I wouldn't even care if they bring back Jared Leto's Joker, make him the villain in the next film. I I don't care. I think Jared Leto's weird, um, I guess, take on the character. And I know that it's very divisive of what you think of him, um, but I think he could really work with James Gunn. So I would actually like to see him as a villain uh, because you can't do this Suicide Squad franchise now without James Gunn. It just doesn't work. Unless Taika Waititi came in, he's probably the only filmmaker I can see lending uh, his style and wit to the franchise. And I guess, cause he's got that connection now uh, starring in a very small role in this film that potentially you could do something, but I honestly don't know. I, I, I think that, yeah, I, I don't know if I can really see it. Um, But yeah, I guess with the way the roster finishes up, so uh, Peacemaker, we think is dead, um, but there's an after credit sequence uh, showing that he is very much alive, and that's a lead into the Peacemaker HBO Max TV show that premieres soon. James Gunn directed that as well, which is really cool. Uh, from my understanding, he directed it at the same time as he was filming uh, the Suicide Squad, so that's really fun, and I, I love John Cena as the character, even though he becomes a bit more of a villain. At the end, um, I'm keen to see him again, uh, because I think he's thoroughly entertaining, and I will definitely be reviewing that one when it comes out. Uh, But yeah, the way that the roster ends up, Polka Dot Man unfortunately passes away, which leads to my only criticism in the film, and that's a criticism I have with James Gunn in general, and it's just the way that he undercuts moments with a joke. Here, he undercuts jokes with drama and it just doesn't work. So I don't know if that was a reverse on his criticism because in the Guardians films, that's something that plagues them a little. And by plagues them, I just mean it's noticeable. So you'll have a really heartfelt dramatic sequence that is undercut with a joke. Here, he undercuts a joke with a dramatic sequence. So, uh, for example, Polka Dot Man, finally like, he's overcoming his thing with his mum. And he's become a superhero um, and he yells at it in the trailer. You hear it, he goes, I'm a superhero. Um, and he's, um, you know, hurting the starfish and the starfish just treads on him and kills him straight away. And I was just like, wow. So we've gone from like a joke. Is this meant to be funny? Is this kind of sad? And I was like, considering the context of what's just happened, I would say it's kind of sad. So I was a bit disappointed that that sort of uh, came into play here. Um, but at the same time, it's James Gunn. Um, you can forgive it because the rest of the film surrounding that is thoroughly entertaining. Um, but, yeah, so I guess the the lineup afterwards is Rat Catcher's still alive, Bloodsport's still alive, Harley Quinn's still alive, and the Norway is still alive. Um, there was one funny gag throughout as well um, with a guy named Milton that I wanted to mention. So uh, Milton is this guy that was helping them um, you know, uh, I guess in their mission. Um, he was a part of the Freedom Fighters and he gives them a ride around essentially. Um, and I was thinking when they were heading into the building, I was like, why is Milton following them? He's wearing sandals and a pair of cargo shorts and he runs into the building with them and then Milton gets shot. And then um, Polka Dot Man's just like, Milton, and starts like crying. And then um, Bloodsport's like, is Milton still here? And he says, no, he's dead. And they have this argument. He goes, why is Milton here? What would have he been able to do? And they have this argument. And then Harley, who's joined the adventure a bit late because she was on her own little thing during the movie. And she's like, wait, who's Milton? And they had this huge conversation during like an action set piece of um, yeah, who this Milton is. And it was just the back and forth that was really funny. And then it plays into the very end of the film where – um, Harley's like, Rick was my friend. And I really liked Rick Flagg's relationship with Harley in this film too. I thought that worked really well. Um, and they're sort of mourning uh, Rick's death. And um, Harley's like, uh, yeah, Rick was my friend. And Bloodsport's like, he was my friend too. Um, and I don't have many of them. And then Harley's like, I'll be your friend, Milton. And then <laughs> Bloodsport's just like, that's not my name. <laughs> so that whole sequence earlier was just, I don't know, it was just really funny. That was an example of undercutting drama with a joke that worked. But sometimes it just doesn't work. But, uh, yeah, James Gunn's direction here as well, I feel like if you're a fan of filmmaking techniques and that sort of thing, you would really enjoy this. It's just the way that he puts some scenes together. There was two sequences that I felt uh, they didn't really work. At the start, there's a few snap zooms that don't work, and a lot of the time when you use a snap zoom in a film, it's more towards comedic effect. And I guess that's what he was going for, but it became a little jarring because he did it about three or four times. We're doing it in the control room, then we're doing it outside, then we're doing it in the control room. And it was like, okay, that's enough. That's sort of jarring me a little. Um, and there's one sequence where it keeps spinning. The camera keeps spinning around one of the dead bodies. And, yeah, that made me feel sick. It went on a little too long too and because you're seeing it on the big screen and you're looking at it. You're like, oh, okay, stop, stop that. That does That doesn't work for me. Please stop. Um, But yeah, overall, guys, I really enjoyed this. And I think I've covered everything. Um, I really had a lot of fun with it. Uh, The special effects are good. The music is good. Um, I I really enjoyed the soundtrack here. I enjoyed the score. Um, Like I mentioned, the score in that sequence in particular with Nanawe looking at the aquarium. Fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Um, And yeah, I just had a really good time. I think the blend of drama with the comedy, with the action, all works really well. Um, There's a lot of foul language if you don't like cursing. Um, There's a lot of that in this film, but it's still really entertaining, and I had a really good time with this one, guys. I'm going to give The Suicide Squad an 8.5 to a 9 out of 10, more towards a 9 out of 10, I think. I I really enjoyed this one. I had a lot of fun. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, A breath of fresh air into a, a genre that I was becoming a little tired of, so really enjoyed it. It's playing in cinemas now, guys, so go and check it out. But that brings this episode to a close. So thank you all for listening. Make sure you check out my other episodes. I've done reviews of Old and Jungle Cruise last week, uh, two films that I enjoyed as well. And I'll have reviews coming very shortly of The Ice Road and also Till Death, the uh, new Megan Fox thriller film. So look forward to that. Um, Yeah, make sure you check out my other reviews too, guys. Um, Make sure you rate and review the podcast down below and subscribe so you don't miss another episode. Um, Also, follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at OzMovieGeek. And yeah, show the love um, by sending me an email too, uh, ozmoviegeek at gmail.com. That's ozmoviegeek at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Send any review suggestions you might have. I look forward to it, guys. And thank you all once again for listening. And until next time, peace out.